Amen. All right. I appreciate the good singing. And uh, I think all of us here could uh, ought to be able to say amen to that last song. Yes, sir. Go ahead, Brother Dave. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Thank the Lord. He tied a message together in song this morning. Amen. We could leave now and say it's already been good to be in the house of the Lord. I know some of y'all are thinking, why don't we? But we uh, need to have a little preaching this morning. Uh, amen. And uh, all right. Let's open our Bibles to Ecclesiastes, the wise man's book this morning. Ecclesiastes, the eighth chapter this morning of Ecclesiastes. And we want to read one verse together this morning. We'll, it's a long verse, so we'll have to read it slow. And uh, we'll read it almost to the end, down to the semicolon. In Ecclesiastes chapter 8, and it'll be verse number 10 this morning in Ecclesiastes chapter 8 and verse number 10. If you found your place, say amen. amen. All right. If you hadn't found it by now, just quit looking. Uh, just look at your Bible and act like you found it. Amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 8 and verse number 10. And so I saw the wicked buried who had come and gone from the place of the holy. And they were forgotten in the city where they had so done. Thank you. Father, I come to you this morning, beautiful morning, the Lord's give. Thank you for a wonderful week, Lord, in the house of the Lord this week, and wonderful time with, uh, with God's people. And uh, thank you, Lord, for those that we were able to See, Lord, trust you this week and make professions of faith. And, Lord, as we come this morning, thank you for the good songs today by the choir as well as the uh, special songs, Lord, by the sister. And now, Lord, we come today for preaching time. And, uh, Lord, we, uh, we know we're still feeling the effects, Lord, of the last year. And little by little, Lord, we feel like you're giving us strength and rebuilding us. Lord, we pray this morning that Thou would revive us again, that Thy people might rejoice in Thee. We pray You'd revive Your work, Lord, in the midst of the years. And, Lord, we should personally pray, O oh God, revive me. And, Lord, bless Your Word today. I know there's people here, uh, Lord, that don't have assurance. I know there's people here that don't have anything. And, uh, Lord, I pray that You'd speak to their hearts today. And, uh, Lord, those that, uh, Lord, uh, their uh, faith is unstable. They're, uh, Lord, they're saved today, lost tomorrow. Uh, Lord, I pray they'd get it settled and get on a solid rock. Uh, Lord, there's some that have never been saved, and I pray they might know the joyful sound of the gospel and be receive it today and leave this building different than they came. Lord, I know that when you set your table, that if you set your table, there's always something on there for every person. And uh, I pray you'd help each person find their place and find, Lord, that portion on the table that might belong to them this morning. Thank you for your many blessings. Thank you for saving me and keeping me and forgiving me and soon, Lord, coming back for me. And I thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And the wise man said in verse 10, And so I saw the wicked buried who had come and gone from the place of the holy, and they were forgotten in the city where they had so done. Of course, we know Solomon is always looking at things under the sun. Key phrase in the book of Ecclesiastes. Find it over and over and over again that Solomon says, under the sun. Now, the... The verse is very suggest, suggestive this morning, at least to me. Uh, he said, I saw the wicked buried who had come and gone from the place of the holy, and they were forgotten in the city where they had so done. And he said, this also is vanity. In my mind, when I read that verse, I think about 
places like we're in this morning. And I think about uh, churches in the city as well as out in the country, churches scattered all over at least our nation and other countries as well. But I think about when I read that verse, I think about how that Solomon said he saw people gather, uh, go in and out from the place of the holy. And, uh, and I'd like to use that word uh, that he talks about in and out of the place of the holy. He's probably talking about uh, the temple probably there in Jerusalem, the place of God. But when I read that, I, I see in my mind, I see people doing just what we've done this morning. Uh, people coming in to the place, if you will, of the holy. Uh, people coming in to gather together, to fellowship, to pray together, to listen to songs, to sing together as a collective group of people, and to sing and to worship God together and to listen to a sermon together. And I see all of that when I read this verse. Now, Solomon said here that when he went, that he said he saw all the wicked go in to the place of the holy. Well, if the wicked went into the place of the holy, that meant there must have been some people there that was holy. And he goes on to tell about uh, the outcome of it all. He said they went in and out, they come and gone from the place of the holy, and they were forgotten in that city where they had so done. This also is a vanity. I want to preach this morning on the cemetery of sinners. You say, Brother Rick, isn't there, isn't there saved people in the cemetery too? Yes, there are saved people in the cemetery too. At least their bodies there. Uh, but just like it is here at church this morning, uh, uh, there are saved people and there is lost people here today in the house of God. I doubt if we ever, ever meet uh, like we're meeting this morning, like we'll meet tonight, uh, like we gather together in the place of the holy. I doubt if we ever meet that there's probably not someone in that service uh, uh, that is not saved especially when you have the number that we have here this morning. And when I read that verse, I see four tragedies that I want to preach on this morning that I see as I look into that verse. I want you to look into it with me. First of all, the Bible said they've come and gone from the place of the holy. First of all, I see the tragedy of basing your eternity on church fellowship. I see the tragedy, and I believe there's millions, multiplied millions, uh, that's basing where they're going to be on eternity because they had come in and out of the place of the holy. Because they had been connected with the church in some way or another. Uh, they come in, they sung, they may have participated in the offering, they uh, may have participated in prayer in some way or the other, and they have come to the place uh, of the holy. Now, I want to say this morning that the church is important. You say, how important is it? It's important enough Jesus died for it. It's, uh, it's such a wonderful place that the Bible said Jesus loved it. Ephesians 5 and verse 25, the Bible said Christ loved the church uh, and gave himself for it. Uh, it's worth so much that he purchased it with his own blood. Uh, and it means so much to him that he's coming back for it, uh, uh, that he might take it to be where he is. Uh, uh, so I would never underestimate the importance of the church. Uh, my, what an impact the church has had upon my life. Uh, I, I can remember being carried there as a boy. And my mother uh, getting us together, many about all the pictures I have of home life when I was young, uh, they must have been on a Sunday morning because mother always had us dressed in our Sunday best and, and uh, usually outside probably taking a picture before we go down to the church. And so I remember going to the church as a, as a young person and I thank God uh, uh, for the church. What an impact it's had upon my life. I, I got saved at the church uh, uh, when I was 10 years old. Uh, 
and it was at the church at, at uh, 26 that I rededicated my life back to God. I, I got married at the church when I was a young man. Me and my wife, we got married at a little Methodist church is where we got married. All I had to give the preacher was $5. That's all I had to give anybody. But the good thing was the preacher looked at me and he gave it back. He must have thought I was a pitiful excuse for a husband, I guess. Amen. Uh, but anyway, uh, I thank God for the church. You say, what is a church? Well, it's a school, amen. Uh, my first recollection of learning anything about Jesus was at church uh, uh, in Sunday school or maybe in the Bible schools. They were different back then. Uh, uh, you didn't have all these uh, blow-up devices. You didn't spend thousands of dollars uh, uh, you didn't buy uniforms or shirts for everybody. Uh, you just went to Bible school. Uh, and uh, all the classes were held outside. Uh, uh, you didn't have a four-course meal. Uh, uh, you, didn't have, uh, you didn't have special food from special places. Uh, uh, you had a, a cup of Kool-Aid uh, uh, and a handful of cookies. Amen. Uh, uh, and you had some people there that loved you. And I remember all of that. It made an impact upon my life. The church is a schoolhouse where we learn about God. And I'd highly recommend that you bring your children to Sunday school and youth groups. I highly recommend you come yourself and learn something about God. Thank God for the church. Uh, the church is a distribution center uh, uh, where that Bibles are handed out, tracts are handed out, uh, uh, all kinds of things are handed out to all different kinds of people. Uh, the church is a spiritual hospital where I checked in uh, uh, as, as a young man in my early 20s. Uh, uh, physically I was alright, but spiritually I was in bad shape. Uh, uh, but the church was a spiritual hospital where the preaching and, and all of that nourished me back uh, uh, to where I was on my way for God again. Uh, uh, the church is a meeting place. Uh, uh, that's where God's people meet. Amen. Used to the old timers would say, they wouldn't say we're going to revival. They wouldn't say we're going to church. Uh, uh, they'd say we're going to meeting. Uh, and the reason they'd say we're going to meeting is because they knew that they were going there to meet with God. Amen. Uh, uh, it's a place of worship. Some of the greatest worship services uh, that I have ever been in, been able to be a part of, uh, uh, amen, was down at the church house. Uh, uh, it's, it's a training center uh, uh, where that you learn people how to win people to the Lord. Uh, uh, you learn people about prayer and about uh, how to teach the Word of God. And it's a training center for God's people. And I... I appreciate everything there is to appreciate about the church. Uh, it's a feeding center. Amen. Uh, uh, you say, well, you mean that's where we come to get spiritual food. Uh, now, we may go to Cracker Barrel or uh, Ponderosa or, or uh, some of these other places to get physical food. Uh, but we go to the church house to get spiritual food, amen. Uh, uh, to get our souls fed, uh, uh, to get our spirits healthy, uh, uh, to get our appetite back. Uh, uh, so I'm not, I don't have anything really bad to say about the church. I thank God for the church. Uh, uh, but I want to say this, uh, as much as I appreciate the church, as much as I am myself a part of the church, uh, uh, I want to say this, the church can't save you. Amen. Uh, uh, the Bible said, uh, uh, the Bible said that the church, Christ loved it and He gave Himself for it. Uh, uh, but it's not you this morning or tonight or next Sunday or ever, uh, every time we meet for the next year. Uh, it's not you, the Bible said, in the church that, that causes you to be saved. Uh, uh, the Bible said that it's Christ in you, uh, uh, the hope of glory. Amen. Uh, uh, this morning you can be in the church and be as lost as a goose in high weeds. Uh, uh, you can be in church every Sunday and be, be headed uh, uh, to hell. Amen. Uh, uh, but you cannot have Christ in you. Uh, uh, you cannot have Christ in you uh, uh, and not be headed to heaven. Amen. Uh, I thank God this morning that every Christian that is born again, born of the Spirit of God, 
God. It's a great mystery that Paul tried to explain to us. But it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. The church can't save you. Now, I'm an independent Baptist. I've been some kind of a Baptist all my life. I got saved in a Southern Baptist church. It's where I got saved at 10 years old. I got back into church as about a 20-some-year-old man at a free will Baptist church. I got called to preach in that free will Baptist church, and I left there and went to pastor a general Baptist church. And while I was over there at the general Baptist church, they said, you don't preach like a Baptist, you preach like a Pentecostal. Amen. And uh, they said, we believe you're Pentecostal. Uh, uh, Me and my wife got married in the Methodist church. Uh, uh, You say, my, you've been in about all of them, ain't you? Yeah, I've been in about all of them. They say, what are you, Southern Baptist Independent? Uh, uh, What are you, Uh, uh, Pentecostal, Charismatic, Methodist? What are you? i tell you what I am. I'm a blood-bought, born-again child of God. That's what I am this morning. Now, my preference is independent Baptist. You say, why? Because I believe what they teach. Amen. Is closer to the Bible, and at least to me. Amen. I like the way they do things. I like their stand on the King James Bible. Amen. But I want you to know that being an independent Baptist... Uh, That's not what saves me, no sir. Uh, uh, It wouldn't save me if I was a Catholic. I wouldn't be saved. I probably really wouldn't be saved, amen. Uh, uh, If I was a Pentecostal, I wouldn't be saved because I was in a Pentecostal church. Uh, I'd probably be messed up is what I'd be. Uh, uh, But I will tell you this, uh, uh, it's not because uh, I'm an independent Baptist. Uh, It wouldn't matter if I was a Southern Baptist. That wouldn't make me any more saved. Uh, Did you know there's... 1,500 different kinds of Baptists alone. If you go to my office and pull out that book up there on denominations, there's over 1,500 kinds of Baptists. Amen. There's Northern Baptists, Southern Baptists, Free Will Baptists, Independent Baptists. I mean, there's Baptists, Baptists, Baptists. There's what I call holiday Baptists. You say, what's that? They only go on Easter and Christmas. There's what I call buzzard Baptists. You say, what do they only go to funerals? It's the only place they go or some dead church where there ain't no chance of God moving. Amen. But I want you to know that I'm not saved because of my church affiliation this morning. I'm saved because I trusted the Lord. Amen. I come one day to the Lord in the best way I know how. I probably, without speaking a word, as backward and bashful as I was, I came to the Lord and in my heart I said a prayer and I probably said, God, I don't know what to do. God, I don't, all I know is I feel guilty this morning. I feel convicted this morning. I just want to be saved. Uh, And the Lord didn't say you didn't do it right. You didn't say it right. Uh, uh, You didn't come the right way. Uh, All I know is God saved me that morning. Amen. Uh, And lo and behold, I've been saved ever since. Thank God. Amen. The tragedy You see, it's not the name of the church. The Bible said, Acts 4 and 12, there's one name. And it ain't Baptist. There's one name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. The name of Jesus, amen. The name of Jesus. Now, I think you ought to go to church before you get saved and after you get saved and while you're saved. I think you ought to go to the church, amen. But that ain't what saves you. Amen. So I see a tragedy there of people. And I wonder just how many people there are this morning that's basing their eternity because they come into the place of the holy and leave the place of the holy. But they don't really have Jesus in their heart. They don't really have Jesus in their heart. 
The Bible said, he said in verse 10 again, everything's in verse 10. And so I have seen the wicked buried. Not only is there the tragedy of basing your hope on a church affiliation, but there is a tragedy of missed opportunities while you're there in the church. The Bible said, he said, so I've seen the wicked buried uh, that had come uh, and that had gone uh, up from the place of the holy. Uh, now this morning, let me tell you this, uh, I believe this morning that if you go to God's house, uh, I believe that if you frequent it very often, if you go there once a year or twice a year, I believe whatever amount of time you go uh, and you come into the place of the holy, I believe that you will not leave this world uh, with at least one opportunity to be saved. Uh, I believe that God, uh, I believe He gives every man at least uh, one opportunity to be saved. Amen. Uh, and I tell you, there's many people that have come in and out of the place of the holy. They've come in and they've said and they've listened to the sermons and they listened to songs. But when it was all done, they went that way instead of this way. And they've done that all their life, coming in, coming out. And they missed at least one opportunity to trust the Lord and to be saved. But, Aren't you glad that God is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish? Aren't you glad that God is not anxious to cast you into hell, even though we deserve to go there? Aren't you glad that God didn't even make hell for you? He made it for the devil and his angels. Aren't you glad that God so loved you He sent His only begotten Son uh, and put Him in the middle of the road to hell uh, uh, hoping that He'd stop you and you'd get saved uh, and you'd turn right at the cross uh, and go straight to heaven. Amen. Uh, I want you to know, listen, uh, uh, there are several opportunities to be saved uh, uh, for those that come in and out of the holy. Amen. I know some of y'all don't believe this. You'd never think this. Uh, but you could get saved in a Sunday school class. Amen. 11 to 12 is not the only time you can get saved. You don't even have to wait till a special song like Just As I Am is being sung to get saved. Amen. No, sir. Uh, you could get you can get saved at a funeral home. I've had some people to get saved at a funeral home. Amen. You can get saved in youth group. Amen. Uh, uh, why you could get saved uh, uh, in just any place you could think of. Uh, and I believe that God gives many opportunities for people to be saved. Amen. I, I remember doing a funeral years ago, uh, and I remember I done this funeral and. Uh, the family was not churchgoers, and I had knew this family all of most of my life. Uh, and I remember one of them come up, Lance, uh, and they asked me if I thought that the person in the casket, which was their dad, if I thought that he had been saved. I, I said, I cannot tell you uh, uh, that he, he's been saved, uh, but I can tell you this. Uh, I know he had at least one opportunity. Amen. Uh, uh, but he missed that opportunity. Uh, and so there's revivals and there's camp meetings and there's Sunday school and there's midweek and there's youth group uh, and there's Sunday preaching and Sunday night preaching. Uh, all of these are God uh, uh, giving people opportunities to be saved. Amen. Because the Bible said God is not willing that any perish uh, uh, but that all come to repentance uh, is what the Lord said. Amen. Uh, uh, and I believe everybody gets one opportunity. And I believe that for the most part, I believe that God gives uh, most people more opportunities than just one. Amen. But I do believe that for everybody that's given one opportunity and they miss it and they're given another opportunity and they miss it, I, I do believe that everybody were given one or fifty uh, 
I believe that there will come a time when everybody will get their last opportunity to be saved. Amen. I, I'm thinking about that parable of that rich farmer in Luke 12. Uh, and he built barns and his crops did good. Uh, and he tore down his barns. He built bigger barns. Uh, he had more to, with what to do than he knew what to do with. Uh, uh, he must have lived in America. Amen. Uh, uh, America's the only place where we got so much stuff. Uh, we have to buy storage buildings to put in the backyard uh, and rent storage buildings for what we can't put in the backyard. Uh, uh, we've got so many blessings. Uh, uh, we've got so much stuff we don't even know what to do with it. Uh, and that man said here, uh, he said, I know what I'll do. I'll tear my barn down. I'll big a, build a greater barn. Uh, I'll, I'll say to my soul, so thou hast much goods laid up uh, in store. Eat, drink, and be merry. But he didn't realize that was his last opportunity. The Bible said God came to him and said, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Amen. He's like the man in Luke 16. That's not a parable there. The Bible said in Luke 16 verse 19, there was a certain rich man would fare sumptuously every day. And there was a beggar laid at his gate named Lazarus. And the Bible said the beggar desired to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. But it came to pass that the beggar died. And he was carried by the angels unto Abraham's bosom. But the rich man also died. God laid Lazarus right there in the doorstep of the rich man. Uh, no doubt God's trying to get him to see how blessed he is. Amen. Uh, how blessed he is. Somebody asked me one time, they said, Brother Rick, the Bible said, I've yet to see the righteous forsaken or their seed begging bread. Uh, they said, what about Lazarus? I said, maybe he got saved laying there. Amen. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. I just know he got saved because he did go to heaven, thank God. Uh, uh, amen. Uh, and uh, so I see here, and I see there was a last opportunity for this person that had come in and out uh, of the place of the holy. There come that last time that they would ever go through that. Now, Brother Nathan, of course, he was a saved man. But I never come back from Bowling Green at two miles from that Glasgow exit, the sign says two miles to the Glasgow exit. Of course, you go a mile, and it says one mile to the Glasgow exit. I never go through there that I don't think Brother Nathan was one mile from eternity, and he didn't know it. And you and I, we do not know. We may be closer than that, Amen. But thank God Brother Nathan was saved. I, I thank God I'm saved. I, I, but what about you today? Amen. I, I, you could be close to your last opportunity of ever being saved. Amen. It could all be over with. Man, what a powerful verse. I saw the wicked buried who had come and gone from the place of the holy. Man, that verse is suggested for me. I can see Solomon standing there because he observed everything under the sun. And I can see him standing there maybe on the outside or somewhere thereabouts and he, he watched a man and he was a wicked man. He watched a man that professed no God. He watched a man that, that had no symptoms of salvation. He watched a man come in and he watched him there among the holy. He watched him leave. And it seems like he watched him when they buried him. He went to his funeral. Amen. I, I have done that, folks. I have done that over 40 years. I've seen that once or twice. Tragedy of basing your hope on affiliation. Brother Richie taught a class on soul winning. And he did a great job. It's a good class. But somewhere during the course of that class, TJ stood up and she said, we were talking about uh, people that think their salvation's based on works. And TJ stood up. I'll tell you how I answered that to somebody. She said, I told them when I got to heaven, 
said, I wasn't going to point at anything I did. I got them to go to church, or I gave this, or I got that. She said, I'm just going to point to the nail scars in his hands, and I'm just going to say I'm here because of that. Nothing I've done, I'm here because of that. And you know why some people can't get saved? Because they can't trust that. Amen. That's not enough for them. They feel like they somehow they've got to get in it somehow or another. They've got to do this or they've got to do that. Brother Walt Ziegler used to always say, that old sinner, uh, he wants to be saved by works and he just got to get his finger in the pie somehow. Uh, but I want you to know it's all by what Jesus did uh, and believing on what Jesus did uh, and trusting what Jesus did. Uh, uh, that's what it all is. Amen. It's trusting the death uh, the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the preaching of the cross is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. Believe it. Receive it. There's a tragedy, a missed opportunity in church. There's a tragedy of being so near in church but so far away in the cemetery. You say, what do you mean? Well, look at it. He said, I saw the wicked buried who had come and gone from the place of the holy. They were there. They were right there. And they probably stood right beside somebody in church. Or they may have sat right beside somebody in church. Or right in front of somebody in church. Or right behind somebody in church. They were right there. They may have walked in together. They may have clasped hands. They may have hugged. I mean, they were close in the church. And they may have been close when they're in the casket and that pallbearer is carrying them over to the cemetery and they're as close to them as that handle is to the casket. But yet when they bury them and even before then, they're going to be far off from that saint of God. You see, when they went in and out of the place of the holy, they was close to God. The Bible said in Acts 17, 27, talking about God, and it said, He be not far from any one of us if we begin to feel after Him. We'd find Him. He's not far from you this morning. God is right there in the seat by you. God is right there in the seat with you. Amen. I mean, you're not far from God. It's like the little boy I read last night. It's like the little boy that went to school and the teacher held up an apple and she said, if anybody can tell me where God is, I'll give them this apple. Quickly a little boy's hand went up and he said, teach, uh, if you can tell me anywhere God ain't, I'll give you a whole bushel of them. Amen. I, I thank God. I'm glad God is everywhere. Amen. God is everywhere. God is right there. God is not far from you this morning. So close to God. There in the place of the holy. Why, if you was a place like I was this week with a handful of people, the Bible said Matthew 18, 20, where two or three are gathered together. Jesus said, there I am in the midst. Even in a small group. The Bible said, Lord, I'm there in the midst, the Lord said. Amen. Close to God. Close to God. Why? This morning, if not already, here in a few minutes, uh, uh, here in just a few minutes, I'll tell you how close you are to God. Uh, I'll tell you exactly how close you are to God. Uh, uh, you're as close to God as the width of that door. Uh, uh, you say, why? Because Jesus said, Behold, uh, I'll stand at the door and knock. You're that close to God right now. Yet if you die lost, you'll be so far away from God. Yeah, the rich man in hell. You're so close to being saved this morning. 
Those people come in and out of the place of the holy, they were so close to God and they were so close to being saved. You say, how close were they? How close is the word out of your mouth? Paul said in Romans 10 verse 9, The word is nigh thee. You're sitting there holding the word right now. That's 16 inches from you. You're close. You're close this morning. You say, I don't have a Bible. Look over to the side of you. The word is nigh thee this morning. You say, I I don't have a Bible and nobody beside me has got one. I'm preaching it to you this morning. The Word is nigh thee in thy mouth. You need to get it in your heart. The Word is nigh thee. Why, man, come to Jesus one day. Mark 12, verse 24, Jesus told that man, He said, you're not far from the kingdom of God. You're close. You come in and out of the place of the holy, why you've even come and you've rubbed shoulders. You may be sitting right now by a child of God, a saint of God. You may not even be saved, but if you were to die, you might want somebody here in this church to be your pallbearer. You sit with them in church. You've sung with them in church. You've laughed together in church. You've cried together in church. I mean, you've been close to the saints of God right there. You've been close to them. But if you die without Jesus, uh, even though you've come in and out of the place of the holy, and you die wicked, you say, I'm not wicked. If you don't trust Christ, you are. But you won't be close to them. I mean, Lazarus is laying right there at that man's doorstep. At the father's, he was laying out in the road and he could look out the door, out the window and see him. But when he died, the Bible said in hell he lifted up his eyes and he saw saw Lazarus afar off. Afar off. He ain't close to him no more. You say, why? Because he went and out of the place of the holy and he died unsaved. It's a powerful verse to me. The Bible said, number four, it said, and they, talking about the person that went in and out of the place of the holy, he said, and they were forgotten in that city where they had so done. You know, everybody wants to be remembered. Some way, somehow, everybody wants to be remembered. Amen. You want to be remembered. Well, he said the unsaved, the wicked, they were forgotten. They were forgotten. But here I am in the place of the holy, and I still remember the saints that some of them I buried, some of them I carried to the cemetery. I still think of them quite often. I still remember Chuck. I remember Chuck sitting here beside you. A lot of times Brother Chuck would testify and he'd always talk about how unworthy he was and how good God was to save him. Amen. He always, he always did that. I remember him this morning. Amen. I remember, I remember Miss Betty Ferguson this morning. I ain't forgot her. She was so faithful to the house of God three times a week. And if you didn't want to know what she thought about something, don't ask her. Sometimes you didn't even have to ask her. But she loved God. She loved the Lord. I knew her a long time before she ever come over here. And I married uh, Betty and uh, Marvin Ferguson. I still remember Marvin. If Marvin was here today, Brother Richie, you'd have somebody to go door knocking with you. He loved to go door knocking. Why, I couldn't forget Brother Marvin. You say, why? He built this pulpit for me. I 
can't come to it every week what I don't think about Brother Marvin, amen. I, I mean, I can go on and on and on. I, I was close this week to where Bill Gillock's son pastors. I, I, why, I could never forget Bill Gillock, amen. I, and Miss Jean had always sat right there. They've been gone four years. He has. I, I, they've been gone four years, but there's hardly a week goes by. I don't think about Bill Gillock, especially in the summertime and in the springtime uh, and in canon time and in strawberry time. Uh, I say, why? Because he'd always load me down uh, uh, with what was ever in stock. Amen. He was probably the only man that I would ever let do this. He come to me one day and said, Brother Rick, I want to ask you something. If you don't want to do it, that's fine. And I promise I won't do none of it before church. I thought, Lord, what's he want? I said, well, you want, Bill. He said, well, you know I peddle produce. And he said, would it be all right with you if I brought some tomatoes and watermelon and green beans and potatoes and things like that on Wednesday night? And I won't sell any of it until after the service. And I said, yeah, Bill, that'd be all right. That'd be just fine. You say, why'd you do that? Up my crowd, about 50 people. <laughs> they wasn't coming to hear me preach. They coming to get beans and tomatoes, amen. But I got to preach to them anyway. I mean, I never will forget Bill Gillock. Never. What about Ivan? If Ivan Craddock hadn't have died, Donald, Donald Trump been president right now. He loved Trump so much we'd come in here for Saturday night prayer and I'd have to finally just hush him and Eddie down so we could pray. They want to talk politics, amen. I didn't give a flip about politics. I wanted to pray, Steve. But oh, I miss him. While I was doing his funeral at the graveside because of COVID and his mother was sitting close to me as Brother Richie is and I started out and I said, Donald Trump don't know what he lost today. Yeah. His mother said he called me this morning. <laughs> it so startled me. I said, what? <laughs> she said, he called me this morning. I don't doubt it. No telling how many letters Ivan's wrote him. Yeah. How much money Ivan sent him. Amen. I miss, I miss Ivan this morning. Yeah. And I remember him going in and out. Of the place of the holy. And oh, 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 I miss Brother Nathan this morning. You say, why? I said when, when Nathan died, I said at his funeral, I felt like God cut my right arm off. I think about him. But can you imagine over 40 years? How many people's come into the place of the holy? And how many people's went out of the place of the holy? Maybe visited one time on Sunday morning, maybe two or three times. I can't tell you any of them. I can't tell you none of them this morning. They come in, maybe they filled out a visitor's card, maybe I've seen them one time. I don't know them. You see, he said they were forgotten. They were forgotten, he said. Do you realize this morning that everybody wants to be remembered? If I say this name this morning, I would almost bet that not anybody here remembers him. You say, who is it? It's Anthony Warner. You say, who is he? He's the man that blowed up half a Nashville a few months ago. And he told his neighbor on the day before he did it, he said, everybody's going to remember me. I couldn't even remember his name. I had to look it up. People do wicked stuff like that just so hopefully they can be remembered. If you want to be remembered, get saved. Go to church. Be a part of God's people. You want to be remembered, my dear Aunt Joan, a few of Linda knew her, of course my wife knew her, uh, most of you didn't know her, but uh, back then she was 
clerk of the ladies' auxiliary, and uh, she started coming to our church. And she'd never been around stuff like we have. And I remember one night we had a service, and she come running by me at the door, and she didn't even say hi, bye, how you doing, see you later. And I remember telling Max Helen that night, I said, something must have been wrong with Joan because she didn't even say nothing and she went out. Next day I called her, said, you all right? She said, oh yeah, I'm all right. She just said, I ain't never been in a service where I felt God like that. I never felt so close to God in my life. And I was afraid if I stopped and talked to you, I was afraid if I stopped and shook somebody's hand, I would lose it. And she said, I went home. I run into the house. I didn't say hi or bye to my husband. I jumped into bed and pulled the covers over my head because I never felt nothing like this. I didn't want to lose that feeling. And I went out to see her. Not too long before she died, she wanted me to come out one morning. I went out and I pulled a chair up sitting by her bed. She got pretty bad. All her hair was gone. She got worse. And I was doing my best, Caleb, to evade the subject of death. She'd bring it up and I'd evade it. And finally, she sat up in the bed. She said, Ricky, I want to talk about death and dying this morning. We talked about death and where she's going. Amen. And I ain't forgot her. I hadn't forgot her. You remember them saints. You remember them. You probably remember this name. Cassie Bernard. Who was that? That was a little girl at Columbine. And they said the guy walked up to her and said, Do you believe in God? And the story was she said yes and he shot her. They've now come out with a, another story to that. They said it wasn't exactly the way it was told. They said it was actually another young lady there. I think her name was Amy. And she was actually, they came to her first. And they asked her, said, do you, do you believe in God? She said, yes. They said, why? She said, because I was raised that way. I've been taught that way. I believe that way. And they shot her 38 times. But she lived. She crawled off down the hall and she lived. I don't know either one of them shooters' names this morning. But I remember Cassie Bernard. And now I'll remember this young lady here, amen. You see, the Bible said that the wicked are forgotten. The saints are remembered. We forget the sinner comes in and out. Soon forgotten. But you know the worst thing, and the worst thing there is, and I'm done with this, the worst thing is to be eternally forgotten. To be eternally forgotten. Time goes on and somebody else is pastoring his church 70 years from now and they say, who was Rick Prophet? So I never heard of him. I never heard of him. I don't know him. Never heard of him. But you see, they'll know me up there. And that's what got the old thief in. You say, what was it? He won't be remembered. He said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Jesus said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. And I promise you, when, if you're saved and you do get there, if you're saved, you will get there. I promise you, say, hey, Jesus, what about that thief? He'll say, right there he is. There he is. you say, Why? Because he wanted to be remembered eternally. Listen, if, if your name 
There's people that's remembered today, but only because of the billions of dollars that's been spent on them and the books that's been wrote, uh, they're remembered. But you take all that away and nobody would know nothing about them. But I'll tell you the worst thing could ever happen to anybody. Lord, Lord, did I not come in and out of Bethel Church? Lord, Lord, did I not even put some money in the offering plate? Lord, Lord, did I not shake Brother Rick's hand and I love Brother Rick and, and, and did I not go and know all the members by name, Lord? And Jesus would say, Depart from me, I never knew you. Isn't it odd that he knew Lazarus' name? But the rich man's just a rich man. Isn't that odd? No name. No name. The worst thing is to be eternally forgotten. And I promise you, if you come in and out of this place and in and out of this place, uh, uh, when you do that year after year, week after week, month after month, you can come in and out of this place. You can be in the church uh, and die lost and go to hell. Uh, uh, but if you get Christ in you, you'll go to heaven this life's over. Father, I thank you this morning. I don't thank you, Lord, for what I'm thinking about right now, about people that come in and out of this place and people that's even come in this morning. And they're in the church and may even have their own spot and their own seat set in. But Lord, they've never come to the altar or even there at their seat, bowed their head and humbled their heart and said, Jesus, I want you to come into my heart today. Jesus, I want to leave different today than I have for the last few weeks or the last 20 years or the last 15 years. I want to leave different today, Jesus. I don't want to just come to your house. I want to take you home with me to my house today. God, may you convict and deal with some lost person's heart today. I've done my best to try to drive it home. don't want to make people doubt that's saved. But Lord, people that have come and they've never been born again, I pray today God would give them again another opportunity. And this time, Lord, they would not fail to use it and to confess that I've trusted Jesus Christ. If I go to hell, I'll go trust in Him. I want to be saved today. Make it be so today, Lord, I pray. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's stand today, if you would, please.